0: Great to be here. Good to see all of you out this evening. Going on in our little series of sermons on Elisha. Um, Tonight um, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. And the theme of our message is uh, Elisha curses a a gang of ruffians. The uh, New American Standard, and I believe the New King James also. Uses that these uh, young uh, lads came up uh, behind him, but um, I like this idea of, of ruffians, this this gang of these people that were coming after God's prophet. excuse me. <clears throat> I'm going to be reading from the New King James version of the Bible this evening, and then in my notes I'm going to be using. Uh, which is very similar to uh, the New American Standard. <clears throat> it says in Second Kings chapter 2, verse 23, And he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him, and said to him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the ewes. Then he went up from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. This attack uh, took place not too long after Elisha had recently witnessed the ascension of Elijah, his, remember his mantle fell off and he picked up Elijah's mantle and he went back over to the Jordan River, struck it, it separated and he walked across the Jordan River there on dry land. Remember the sons of the prophets wanted to find Elijah for him. He said, don't waste your time, don't do it. And they, they just kept pushing him. He said, whatever. So they did and they came back and said, we couldn't find him. He goes, yeah, I told you, you weren't going to be able to. People from the town there in Jericho said their water wasn't any good. So he asked him for a jar of salt. And remember, he went over to the spring there at Jericho and he said there in 2 Kings 2, 21, Thus says the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from there death or unfruitfulness any longer. Now, by this time, you would think that he would have been firmly established as a successor of of Elijah. But remember, these events could have taken place in, you know, a week or two. So maybe the news hadn't spread and hadn't gotten out too far that Elijah's gone. And and now we see that uh, Elisha is now God's prophet and God's spokesman. So it's very possible with Bethel not being too far that these people may have known this, or the account could have gotten spread up there. And Bethel was one of Ahab's uh, chief cities for Baal worship. So these young lads and that that came out of there were probably Baal worshipers. So we need to to understand that. And uh, we see that he's going up the road from where he was there at Jericho. He's heading up here towards... Bethel and this group of uh, young lads, this gang, probably like a small army, of ruffians viciously mocking. And you might say, that, that's not too vicious. They're telling him to, to go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. What What's, what's wrong with that? We're going to talk about that phrase. And when... He looked behind him. He saw this this group. You know, it's not like he turned around and saw you know a bunch of little kids behind him. He looked back, and there was a lot of guys. It was like an army of people that were sent out there, that were after him. And when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And the two female bears came out of the woods, and it says they tore up. Or they mauled 42 of them. 42 is a pretty big group. And how many of them ran away? How many of them didn't get mauled? Okay, we don't know how many exactly uh, was in this group. So let's see what we can learn from this account of Elisha being viciously mocked by this gang of ruffians. First off, just who were these young lads? It is not likely that these young lads were kids under 10 years old for they're not usually this cruel or rude uh, to mock their elders or running around in a small gang. Anybody ever see a group of 60, 70, 100, 10-year-olds running around? Uh, Yeah, over at Gateway High School or whatever, elementary school. Yeah, maybe, but just think of the culture and what was going on back then. But it's more likely that they were a group of young men. The original word here rendered young lads or little children is a very general, generic word. In the Strong's Concordance, it can mean anything from infancy all the way through to adolescence. So it could... In some translation, this this, um, word could be baby, or boy, or child, or damsel, or lad, or servant, or young men. So this same word, according to T.H. Horn and Matthew Henry and Thomas Scott's commentary of the Holy Bible, uh, has applied it to different people there. For example, Isaac. When Isaac was 28 years old, this word was talking about him. Joseph, who became second in power in Egypt. You all know of Joseph. This same terms used when he was 39 years old. Wait a second, it said young lads. And it also referred to Rehoboam when he was 40 years old. So you need to understand, it has this young lads, these are young men, okay? Remember, they lived a little bit older than we did back then and in these times. And um, this term can span this gulf here. So it would seem more reasonable that these young men Here were at least in their late teens and probably in their 20s, if not even older than that. The town of Bethel was one of the principal seats of Ahab's idolatry. It was very probable that these young men came out of the city and insulted the prophet at the instigation of Baal's prophets there. It looks as if they were alluding to Elijah's ascension. Remember, he got caught up. He went up into the air. So this gang's coming and chanting us, and they're telling him, Go up! Get out of here! Go with your master! Get away from us! Go up! Go up! It's not like they're just telling him to go up the road. They're yelling at him, saying, We don't want you here. This was a threat to Elisha. He was pretty calm as he's walking down the road, but whatever, what would one of us do? I'd probably start to walk a little bit quicker and uh, be like, okay, at some point here I need to turn around. and t- This is pretty loud and what's going on? And they're getting closer and closer. So these guys are yelling at him, get out of here. Go be with your master, Elijah. Go get caught up into heaven if that's what happened to him with him. Now, it's not likely that Elisha would have cursed, again, a group of very young children for reflecting what they heard their elders or parents say, nor would God have honored Elisha's curse. If these would have been very young children. Uh, just, They may not have known what their actions meant, what they were doing, and they would have been considered innocents. And uh, I'm sure something else would have taken place here. But if they were these young men, maybe a little bit older, then they'd be responsible for their actions. And at least at this point, their verbal attack, which could have went on if they weren't stopped by God with these two female bears, into some type of physical attack upon Elisha. Elisha is a prophet of God. By his orders, by his name, declared the curse. Or he foretold the punishment which was about to be afflicted upon these unbelieving urchins like that I thought you would like that a lot point two why was their punishment so severe these unbelieving hoodlums like that one were not teasing an old ball headed man they were mocking and jeering at a man of God who was now the official representative of God on earth to those people there of Israel and Judah Elisha Enduring this mockery and potential personal danger as as long as he could, finally turns around and cursed these mischievous youths. These ruffians were showing great disrespect for their elder and also to a prophet of God. And this was a serious defense. In the Law of Moses in Leviticus 19.32, it says this, you shall rise up before the gray head and honor the aged and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. This passage here in Leviticus implies that because someone is older than you, has more life experience, you should give them honor and respect. When Job thought of his good days before Satan brought so much trouble upon him. He said in Job chapter 29 verse 8, The young men saw me and hid themselves. The old men arose and stood. You see, Job was so respected and so powerful and, and rich and one of God's spokesmen that when the men, young men saw him, they ran from him. They hid They didn't want to do anything bad or say anything bad to him. And even the older men would stand up and give him some honor and give him some respect. You see, this passage shows how these people respected and honored their elders. This passage says that, again, they were giving him reverent fear and respect Why? Because he was blameless. He was upright. He was a God-fearing man. He turned away from evil and he did good. And they must have known that God had blessed him. Job chapter 1 verse 1. Now the New Testament instructs us to give honor where honor is due in respect to our elders. Here's just a couple passages. Paul writing to the Romans in Romans 13 verse 7 says, Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We need to give honor and respect to those whom it is due. To not do so would violate the principle and the teaching here and would be wrong. So give honor to honor to these people. Give fear to whom fear is due. Paul told the young evangelists, First Timothy five, one and two, "Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are widows indeed. In this passage here, Paul's telling the young evangelist, Timothy, to treat people with respect. Teach them with dignity. He's a young man, and he's going to be working with people that are older than him. And even today, as Christians, this should be our goal. We need to teach this to our children so that they know what is right and acceptable in God's sight. To respect elders and people that are older. And we, too. We need to respect those who are older and and give the honor due to those who should receive honor. But more than these ruffians just mocking an old man, they were mocking a prophet of the great God of heaven. They were rejecting God's personal representative. And this was even a more serious thing. You see, when... He came to the sons of the prophets at Jericho. What did they do? They bowed down themselves before Elisha. They bowed to him because of his words, his prophecies, the abilities and so forth. That he was speaking for God. They were showing respect to him. 2 Kings 2.15 But this gang of ruffians, they mocked him. They followed behind him and were jeering him as he was traveling on the way. And then what usually would happen with a group like this? What do you think Dave would have done and my buddies? I told you some things about me in Sunday school and being ornery. What do you think I would have done? I would have probably picked up a rock. Or one of them would have, right? Then what would some of the other ones have done? They'd start throwing rocks. They'd start throwing sticks. One of them who was quick may run up behind him and trip him, hit him in the back of the knees, and knock him down. Could you imagine that kind of stuff happening? If it would have delayed and kept going on, it just makes you wonder. It makes you speculate and read a little bit in between the lines of what was going on. Notice some things that happened to people that went after God's spokesman. Remember Korah and his rebellion? He went against Moses, God's prophet, and what happened to him? The earth opened up and swallowed him and many of those who had sided with him and fire consumed the others. Number 16, Jude 11 tell us about that. What about the evil king Jeroboam? He ordered a prophet's arrest. And notice what happened to him in 1 Kings thirteen four. It says, Now it came about when the king heard the saying of the man of God. See, he was a prophet sent there. Which he cried against the altar at Bethel. What altar? The golden calves. There was one of them there. They were making sacrifices to this golden calf. And the prophet comes up and rebukes him. And those prophets that were doing these things and telling them they were wrong. Get down to Jerusalem where you need to be. Make your sacrifices and so forth. And what happened? Jeroboam's there involved in this. And it says, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar saying, seize him. But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he couldn't draw it back to himself. He reached out and said, seize him in his hand, shrunk up. Because he was trying to get the prophet of God arrested. He was on a mission from God. What about Ahab, the king? Remember old Ahab and Jezebel? Ahab ordered the prophet uh, Micaiah imprisoned and fed only bread and water until he come home victorious from war. But what happened to Ahab? He was slain in the battle. Soon afterwards, he never made it home. And his wife, Jezebel, who sought to slay Elijah, She was thrown from a window of her upper room of her palace and trampled by Jehu's horse. And dogs came and ate her, except for her head and her hands. Herod, who had the apostle James killed in the New Testament, intended to kill Peter. What happened to him? He was smitten by the angel of the Lord and he was eaten by worms and died. Some kind of worms got into his stomach and did something nasty to him and he died. Elmaeus or Bar-Jesus, a sorcerer on Cyrus, withstood God's prophets Paul and Barnabas and he was blinded and not able to see the sun for a time. Acts 7 13, 4 through 11. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica and says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you. Elders had charge over them in the Lord and gave you instruction. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Paul told the church there at Thessalonica, watch, give the elders and those who have charge over you and are teaching you and so forth, give them respect and honor. They're, They're giving you God's word. Thirdly, was it nice for Elisha to do this and curse these people? Some say he sinned by doing this. Well, This was not just an outburst of profanity, such as often comes from the mouths of wicked men, but the placing of a curse. He was bringing into contempt a put-down on these kids, these young men. This cursing consisted of pronouncing a negative prophecy against these ruffians. Elisha may have said something like this. May evil and calamity fall upon you. Or maybe he said something like this. May the Lord deal with you according to your folly. Or like the archangel Michael, who said to the devil, contending for the body of Moses, he simply said, The Lord rebuke you. See, what was the curse that he said? We don't know. It could have been something just like this. But God heard it. God knew what was going to happen and what was taking place. You know, some have questioned why he did it. Well, Again, according to the law of Moses, which we don't have time to read this right now, but Deuteronomy 24, 14 through 26 says, As ministers of God, they were required to curse the disobedient. Elisha, this was his job to curse them for their evil, for their wickedness. Fourthly, for what purpose did God honor the curse pronounced by Elijah? Or was this just some coincidence? It seems very likely that the two she-bears could do so much destruction by coincidence. It's just kind of unlikely. It just, I don't know. I know bears are quick. But uh, the bear, if he's mauling some of them, I know some in that group would have been pretty fast. And they probably could have escaped and ran away. But in order to teach this gang of unbelieving ruffians a lesson and at the same time vindicate his prophet in Bethel, God stirred up these she bears to come out of the nearby woods and attack these offenders. These angry bears, it says, mauled 42 of these fellows. Again, how many of them were in this group? If it says that it mauled 42 of them, I'd like to hear the number of how many were there and how many escaped. I guess that's how my mind works, but wow. Even if there were only 42 and these guys thought they were going to fight these bears and win, they thought wrong. The text doesn't indicate to what extent these men were injured, but many were probably killed instantly. Others probably died later from their wounds and from their loss of blood. Some may have suffered for days and got terrible infections and gangrene and fevers and had a slow death and maybe sat there and regretted, oh, why did I listen to the prophets of Baal and them telling us to go do this? Why did I listen to my parents? who were Baal worshipers, telling me to go do this. This frightening example of God's wrath was no doubt intended to serve as an unforgettable lesson to a new generation which was growing up in contempt of God and true religion. If the parents of these ruffians or these priests of Baal told them to attack the prophet of God, this was one of The crying sins against Israel. They mocked the messengers of God and despised their words and misused his prophets. If these ruffians were but the echoes and the instruments of their parents' false religion and intolerance towards God and his messenger, God showed them in this judgment upon them that to not honor his sacred places, Persons and things is a great insult to him. And to those that do such things will be punished. If not in this life, but in the next. We're going to stand before God at the judgment and give an account for everything that we've done. Every word that we've said. This event also further established Elisha as God's chief prophet for the northern kingdom, Israel. You know, when they found out about this, they probably were like, oh, Elisha's coming to town. Do you think they sent their kids out to, or do you think they went out and chanted things at him again? (laughs) Elisha, when you look at Elijah and his life and you contrast it with Elisha, Elijah the prophet didn't get along with kings. He was always battling and, and fighting them. When you read the account here in 2 Kings about Elisha, Elisha was always talking to kings, even if they were evil, working with them, trying to help them, doing things for them. So Elisha is a little bit different than. Elijah. Elijah lived out in caves and mountains and had rough clothes on, kind of like a John the Baptist. But Elisha is more like Jesus. And he lives in the cities. He lives in towns. He's not hiding. But he's out doing good and trying to help people. So there's a difference here with this fellow, Elisha. And maybe Because of events like this that took place early in his ministry, which allowed those type of doors to be open for him. This event should also serve as a warning for young people today to not treat lightly God's word, his son Jesus, his church, his elders and teachers. And parents, if you love your children, teach them to respect their elders and teachers, because this is right and acceptable in the sight of God. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. In conclusion, Again, definitely, uh, Elisha, when you look at a lot of these wonder-working miracles and that, that he does, and we're going to look at some more things that he does, uh, this is an interesting start here to his ministry and the narrative that uh, the writer here of 2 Kings writes about this great prophet of God. You know, I wonder... How do you think the parents of these young men felt when they saw what had happened to their children? Put yourself there. What if it was one of your kids and they carried his dead body or they brought him and his guts were ripped out? His intestines are hanging out. He's got claw marks on his face, maybe an arm ripped off, bite marks on him, crying, screaming. You know, they don't have the morphines and different things like we have today in the hospitals, the way to treat these things and clean them up and give them the antibiotics and so forth. They suffered. I wondered, did they feel responsible? for being a bad example, for teaching false religion and idolatry to them, maybe for sending them to attack and mock and jeer God's messenger. They were probably horrified, shocked, when they saw and heard about this dreadful judgment that came upon their kids. What will be the anguish of those parents at the great judgment day who witness the everlasting condemnation of their offspring because of their bad example, their carelessness, their bad instruction? We need to ask ourselves, are we doing all that we can to train up our children in the ways of the Lord? and disciplining them when they need it. I hope so. I hope each one of us here tonight ready to stand before God and give an account at that day of reckoning, at the judgment. And if you're not ready, why not now? Why not do something about it? Why not obey the gospel? It's easy to become a Christian. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? That he's the anointed one, the Messiah? And he left the glories of heaven and came here and took on flesh and lived for 33 and a half years and then was crucified and killed on the cross even though he'd done nothing wrong, but he did it to pay for our sins. Do you believe that? Are you willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Are you willing to repent and turn from the world and the ways of the world? And turn to God and to Jesus and to righteousness. And are you willing to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit according to Acts 2, 38. The water in the baptistry is warm. We have robes that you can change in. If you know what you need to do and you want to do that, I can take your confession in a matter of minutes and We can go back and change, and we can have you immersed into Christ in uh, a matter of minutes. And the angels can write your name in that Lamb's Book of Life, and you'll know that you're okay. But the choice is yours. You have to decide.